Well, thank you so much for coming to the Life Matters podcast with me, Kiana Monroe. And today we have my boo, my best friend, my genius, Miss <laughs> Kiana Simpson Reese. And as you all know, um, we tag team on projects all the time. So I thought mm -hmm. with this topic, who better than to come on here and talk about how to get your life right, balanced, and moving forward than Miss Simpson Reese herself. Um, this genius right here, this expertise is, um, she runs, uh, why am I having a brain fart, Deanna? <laughs> <laughs> That's what editing is for. Educate, equip, and empower, right? Yes, E3 so, Pro Services. Yes, yes. And so she is a, a career strategist. She can get you all the mm -hmm. way right. She's been consulting for over 10 years for different companies, and she is great in diversity inclusion. And mm -hmm. let me send the mic over to her so she can tell you a bit more in detail about her fabulous next. Awesome. Thank you, Key. So I'm going to grab the mic, the virtual microphone. <laughs> uh, no, but um, as Ms. Monroe said, um, I am the CEO of E3 Professional Services. Um, and E3 stands for Educate, Equip, and Empower. And basically, we work with minorities to advance them within their careers. And we also work with companies to diversify their leadership. And so um, the career strategizing that we focus on, or that's the center of our work, allows us to help both individual professionals who are minorities to combat a lot of those barriers that are in place that keeps them from growing and progressing um, in their careers to move into leadership. And then on the flip side, we work with companies so that they are creating more opportunities for minorities to be in these senior level leadership roles and how to best support them. Um, and so we do a lot of work around equity um, within organizations to make sure they have plenty of diverse talent in their um, hiring pipelines, as well as creating internal opportunities to develop minority staff and move them into leadership roles. So really, really excited about the work we've been doing. We've been growing at an exponential rate, um, which I can thank God first and foremost for. Um, and then just, you know, others that have you know, took a chance on E3 and saw the value that we bring and allowed us to come in and make a change within their organization or within their individual lives. So really excited to be here and share whatever I can to help your audience to succeed and be successful, not only in their professional careers, but hopefully in their personal lives as well. That's right. Thank you, Boo. Okay, okay, world. Here we go. We're going to dive right in. So our topic today is defining your gift and what it brings to the table. Um, and I know that that might seem like a really big topic to me all, but, you know, we all have gifts and we bring those gifts into the workplace, right? And sometimes we don't recognize or value enough what we're bringing to the table. And sometimes that can hinder even your job search or your career search or your area of growth while you're in the workplace right now. People don't realize that. Um, so the first question I have is, how do you know that your gift brings value to the workplace? And how do you identify when it's not? So I'll piggyback on, on your answer and take the brain back. Uh, 
Okay, so, you know, the first step, of course, is recognizing what your gift is. And a lot of people don't recognize what that is. Um, and so some of the types of questions that we ask to help individuals understand what their gift is, what is your, that niche that you have that makes you different, that you always tend to um, bring to the table no matter where you are. And that's usually that thing that everyone tends to go to you for, or everyone tends to ask you um, to help them with. These are some indicators that something may be your gift, right? And when you figure out what that is, so for example, if everyone tends to come to you for advice um, for their relationships, let's say hypothetically, you may be a good person then when it comes to troubleshooting um, interpersonal issues, like within teams, right? If you're good at helping people in their personal relationships, you may be somebody that is helping organizations in the workplace potentially to mitigate challenges that arise when working in very diverse um, work teams. And when I say diverse, that can be, you know, cognitively diverse. You know, people have different opinions, different expertise, different uh, things that they bring to the table mentally in terms of their, uh, their skill sets. And so if you are someone who is good at relationship management, that may be something that you don't even notice you do at work that is your gift, but you don't even recognize because you're so good at it. And you see it as, oh, you do this for your friends, you know, or your cousins or whomever. But if you take a step back and really think about what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis at work? What do people come to you for oftentimes? If you notice in work groups, you're the one that's stepping up to mitigate challenges, just like you're the person that your friends call on when they have relationship problems and things like that, your gift may be troubleshooting problems within teams or within groups. You may be a peacemaker or someone that's able to problem solve when it comes to relationships. And believe you me, while that doesn't have a direct quantifiable piece to it, meaning that doesn't have a direct line of how it brings revenue to a company, it does indirectly generate revenue for a company because if their work teams are not cohesive they are not productive if they're not productive the company isn't making money so you have to take a step back and think about in order to you know know if your gift is bringing value you need to be thinking about how it is a how is it excuse me affecting other people in the workplace because it may not directly attribute to sales or to saving money directly but think about who are the people that is impacted by whatever it is that your gift is because once you figure out who those people are then you think about what is their role in the grand scheme of the company and that'll help you to see what your value is within an organization yeah that's no that's that's really good that makes sense too i mean a, a lot of people don't think that what they do um, naturally and what seems to come to them naturally and your mm -hmm. friends tend to come to you all the time or other people that you know may come to you all the time for that that is an, an actual gift and don't play yourself small and don't you know limit yourself to you know exactly. just being boxed in on you know well that you know that may be good for them but that's not good for, for business per se um, mm -hmm. another thing that i would add to that is you know just do you feel like what comes naturally to you um, solves a problem? Do you see exactly. where there are needs in the world and do you see how your gift solves a problem, meets a need, supports, helps? 
because that is something that's that's valuable. Do mm -hmm. people feel like they've learned something when they've left you? Do they feel complete? Have have you helped them out in some type of way? That's another way to say, okay, you know what? Um, what I bring to work is is actually valuable because they their problems at work that my talent, that my gift that comes naturally actually solve and I get compensated for that. You know, if you can do it for free, then you really love, you know what I mean? Then you really, really love it. And a way to how to identify when it's, when it's not, I would say, um, if you feel, unful I guess, unfulfilled at work, when you feel like, yeah. you know, what you're putting out there is, is not being received or it's not working or it's not solving any problems or it's not adding value because we're all assets. We just have to figure out where in the workplace. Exactly. Our gift is an asset too. So that's pretty. I mean, that's really good. A lot of people have that, mm -hmm. that issue. So too, what are some of the steps people should take if they actually feel unhappy in their workplace? So I'd like to kind of piggyback off of what I said. Yeah. And they're not feeling like they're bringing any, any value. Mm -hmm. How, you know, what are some steps that they take? You get that all the time where people are <clears throat> unhappy in their, in their workplace and they don't know whether to go to HR and say something, their boss and say something. So you definitely have to pinpoint why you're unhappy, right? Um, and so this actually ties into um, that first question, like you said, because part of that is get, uh, acquiring feedback, right? So yes, people have performance evaluations, but if you don't go into that performance evaluation prepared to ask questions, to really get additional feedback about your work performance and the value that you feel you bring or maybe the lack thereof, you will, there will always be a disconnect in terms of you understanding what it is that you are doing for an organization. If you don't at least start to ask, it's like the bare minimum is to ask questions. But then from a more personal level, for some people, they're adding value. They know they're adding value, but they're still unhappy. And so that's where you have to kind of ascertain what is making me unhappy? Do I not have enough responsibility? Is it the people that I'm around? Is it the work hours? What is it that's making me unhappy? Because I'm a high performer, but I hate, I hate it here. Maybe the nine to five is not your lane. Maybe you need to be working independently. Like you, you have to take a step back when you're unhappy with the work that you're doing to decide, is it the work that's making me unhappy? Is it the fact that I feel like I'm not making an impact? Or is it the people? the environment, the structure in which I'm in that is making me unhappy. And that's not an easy feat. That does take some time. I'm working with a client right now. Um, I wanted her to get back to me in like a week and a half-ish, you know, like two and a half weeks. I reached out to her. She's like, yeah, I'm still thinking about those questions you asked and <laughs> trying to figure things out. It's good because when you're, you know, working with someone, when you're trying to make the next step in your career, whether you're doing it with someone as a professional helping you or you're doing it on your own, you really want to think about all the different pieces that are involved. And so when you are unhappy, you first do want to make sure you identify, is it, are you unhappy because you feel like you're not being impactful or making a difference in your work? Or is it just, I don't like the structure of, you know, coming to work every day, or I don't like the people that I work with, because those are two different types of unhappy mediums that require two different approaches. And so, I actually had a, a client who knew I was going to have this conversation with you, and she asked, okay. asked and she's like, you know, should I become an, an entrepreneur if I feel like I'm not happy at work, or 
should I turn, you know, maybe a hobby that I have into, you know, a, a side business and still keep my job so I, you know, have somewhat of a balance? And I actually have an answer to that, but I want to hear what you have to say. Um, so I would probably ask him or her, it's a her, right? It's a her. Uh-huh. It's a her. I would probably ask her, you know, why is it that she like I would I would want to know a little bit more about the why like what is it that's making her feel like her job is not making her happy because entrepreneurship is not for everybody right Um, Right. (laughs) but it is also important that you know I always tell people job is you know just overgrowth and that's something that everybody knows and so Mm -hmm. no matter if you know you decide to keep a job and have other revenue streams that generate money for you investing real estate you know whatever it may be um I always tell people, you know, don't just rely solely on a job, like just point blank period. Mm-hmm. However, depending on why she wants to pivot, uh, I would probably encourage her nine times out of 10 to hold on to her job and do the side hustle. So that way she can assess and see if this is the route she wants to go. That's kind of like the path of least resistance almost. It's still a lot of work, but to jump straight into entrepreneurship is hard. And it comes with a lot of stressors and, you know, you really got to know that that's the lane you want to be in because you work way more hours as an entrepreneur than you do in a traditional nine to five. Yeah, we know, we know, like the back of our hand, we know. My thing to her would be like when you were saying, you know, what is it that makes you unhappy about the job? Is yes. Do you feel like you're under undervalued or underserved or unappreciated? So mm-hmm. I would say one, yeah, before jumping into entrepreneurship, um, first of all, sometimes we have more than one gift, right? So yes. if you're at work and that gift is you feel again undervalued or unappreciated, the first thing you should do is kind of tackle that you know, reach out mm-hmm. to either your supervisor or, you know, someone or even your, your, your team and just say, you know what, yes. I don't feel like I'm giving, um, like I'm getting enough for my effort or my time. I don't feel like, you know, I'm appreciated here at work or I'm not getting enough work. I don't feel like I'm trusted with a heavier load. Right. So I would say take the initiative to reach out about that. And then two, if you if you have another gift and you feel like, okay, this is not working for me before jumping ship, yeah, do something on the side that yes. you enjoy doing, that you're also good at doing, and allow that to give you somewhat of a balance. That way, this gift serves my nine to five. And then this gift serves just for me or just my you know community service or just just something else that that you can give so that there's a a a balance because if you put all your eggs into you know one career basket you know Mm. you're gonna immediately feel like i don't get to do anything that i want to do because i'm doing so much of everything for this one place however if you are still exercising your gifts in another place plus this one you can say okay this was, you know, I could do better here. You know, let me reach out to, to, to coworkers or supervisors and, and, and say what that is. But that is not going to be my end all be all because I'm also doing something else, you know, that I like over here. Hence what you said, multiple streams of, of income and not just putting all your eggs in that, you know, uh, income basket. Correct. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, I agree. And 
yeah, the, the entrepreneurship, you know, is definitely not for the faint at heart. It's not impossible, but it is a lot of work. So, you know, you have to know that that is to jump right in, like 100% to take the big jump, if you would. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something where you want to be sure, you know, 100% without a shadow of a doubt, this is the lane that I want to be in, in, in various facets, A, in terms of work structure, because now your sole source of income is reliant on the, the clients or the customers that you get from your business, and you're starting from ground zero. Right. Um, and then right. in addition to that, the, the, the structure, the hours, if you have kids, if you're a single parent, you know, these are all the different things that you have to consider before you just jump straight in to being a business owner. And it's not saying that it's impossible because I know people that have done it, but you want to learn from others' mistakes, right? And so if others, you know, feel like, hey, I'm glad I did make the jump. However, I wish I would have maybe, you know, eased my way into the big jump, you know, then that gives you some insights on, all right, let me make sure certain things are in place. Let me use my job and save up some money so that I have, you know, so many months of bills covered as I'm, you know, getting started. Let me make sure I have certain things in place now that I understand, you know, a little bit more about this entrepreneurship game because you don't just jump in and say, hey, I got this business and market it to your friends and family and now you're making money. It's not how it works. You don't just pay for a Facebook ad and all of a sudden you got customers, you know, it, just, it doesn't work that way. And so, so let um, the internet and social media tell you, tell you that that's no. the, the quick way to go. There is no quick way to go. There is no quick way to go. It is no. late nights, early mornings, consistency, disappointments, successes, right. two steps forward, seven steps back. You know, right. it's, it's a back and forth game. Sacrifice. Right. Uh, you're usually upside down in terms of income when you get started, you know, just because it, it takes money to make money, even as a service-based business. I'm a service-based business. I have very low uh, cost in terms of my startup costs. Now my costs are higher because I have employees and things like that. But mm -hmm. when I started, my costs were relatively low, but it was still being upside down because as you grow, you, you need to uh, spend more on trying to scale and trying to make sure things are optimized so that you have customers that return and or that your customers have such a good experience that they refer others to you so um, you, see, you hear all that practice people you see all that practice that's called scanning the game so before you just yes. jump ship then yes. go ahead and add that that side hustle you know what I mean? Yes. AKA, you miss, miss her hustle, her flow is, is right before you. Yes. Okay? And so yes. just do the side hustle and then find out how can you use to get, because we have more than just one thing that we're good at. Don't jump ship. Find out why you're happy. Find out how your gift can serve you at work and how your gift can serve other people outside of work. Right? Okay. Agreed. The next thing is, um, there are people out there who feel as though they've hit a plateau at work. Right. They, they, they. Know I'm sorry. Say it again. That they hit that. a plateau at work. Oh, like a Yeah. Like you know what? I feel stuck. You know, I love my job. I know where I add value. I know what I bring, but mm. I feel stuck. There's no, you know, there's no area for improvement. Or if so, I, I don't know how to, how to obtain that. There's no area mm. of growth that I'm aware of. What would be the top? you know, two options to kind of shift the narrative on being stuck at work with, you know, still staying in the realm of, you know, don't, don't ask for a position that has absolutely nothing to do with your gift, 
because then you'll add on stress. That's not outside of your expertise. But how do you do that while still staying in, you know, your gift, your gift making room for you, but not blah. Um, I would honestly say, um, and I, I do get uh, coaching clients that are in this position. If you feel like you've hit a plateau, um, nine times out of 10, you probably have, you probably have outgrown where you are or the space that you're in within your gift and it's time to elevate. Um, and so the question is, are you going to go for that next step? Because a lot of times what I've noticed is people recognize that I've hit a plateau and they're like, I don't know what to do. It's like, okay, well, what's the next step up from what you're doing? Oh, let's say hypothetically it's they're in finance and the next step is to, you know, CFO or senior financial directors like, okay, so why not go for it? Oh, I don't, oh, I don't know. Your fear is keeping you at the plateau then. Oftentimes, if you feel you've hit a plateau, you probably have. You're probably at that point where it's time to level up, but you're afraid to level up for whatever reason, or you feel like it's unattainable for whatever reason. And that is probably one of the key times that I do tell people, if they're going to get a career coach, that is the time to get a career coach because that is the time where you would need somebody or you would want somebody. You may not necessarily need it, but you may want somebody to help you break down and see, all right, this is where my strongest, my strongest strengths lie. Because when you hit a plateau, you have numerous strengths. So these are where my key and strongest strengths lie. And that career coach is going to help you bridge the gap because you're seeing a gap in where you are and where you need to be. They're going to help you to bridge that gap to see, actually, you have done A, B, and C. Actually, you do have experience doing uh, JFK, LMNOP. You just are not seeing it in that light because you're restricting yourself to the level that you're at versus seeing the CFO. They do this, this, and this. You've done this, 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 and this, and this. You really are qualified to do it. You're just, you just don't see that as a viable option for yourself. And so there may be some gaps in um, an experience or skills that need to be filled. And that career coach will help them to see, okay, it's time for you to start planning your exit strategy. And while you're in, in process with your exit strategy, you will need to get these particular skill sets in order to be prepared to make that transition. But you have to understand and recognize that when you feel like you've hit a plateau, you probably have hit a plateau and it's time to change things up and, to, and meaning to level up. Now, sometimes people do get burnt out in a certain career field. And so that's where we got to kind of do a little bit of a career discovery to figure out, okay, you know, what was making you feel burnout? Is it the responsibilities or is it the industry in and of itself? What comes with being in the industry to see if you may need to pivot to a different industry. But more times than not, um, usually people have just hit a plateau because they're maybe in a mid-level, um, even a senior management role, but they are not seeing themselves in an executive or C-suite level role when that's really the next step. You've been in your role too long. You've, you've outgrown your space. And you should, you should feel like you hit a plateau because you're right. So I like what I, I, I like what you said when, and, and I completely agree, just bringing like my therapist brain to it, it's fear. It's yeah. fear. If you've hit a plateau and you haven't taken the initiative to move forward, more than likely it is fear or, yeah. or and imposter syndrome. You feel like I'm not going to take the initiative yes. because I don't think I qualify or 
I don't think that they're going to mm-hmm. say yes. Or, and that has a lot to do with self-worth. That has a lot to do with personal development and personal growth, understanding that, you know, you've worked hard, you've earned the right to move up. You know, yeah. you, you earn the right to ask for more. You earn the right um, to grow. In, in, yeah. in this life, we all grow. No one wants to, to remain stagnant. And that's, not, that's in your personal life and that's also in your career life. So, yeah, like you said, this may be the great, the, the, the best time to just get you a, a quick career coach and say, hey, I feel stuck at work. This is where I'm at. You know, before I reach out to my supervisor or whomever about, you know, an opportunity for a, a higher position or a position that best serves me, that challenges me. And I feel right. like qualified and capable of instead of saying you know what I can't do it I'm not I'm not qualified I'm not capable who do I think I am that's that negative monkey chatter and negative Mm self-talk what you do is you tell yourself I believe I'm qualified I believe I'm capable let me get a second opinion by a career expert a coach and confirm that Mm-hmm. And then use that, use that confirmation to go back to my job and desire more when, and ask for more because I know, yeah. I, I know I, I deserve it. Right. And, I, and, and to even add to that, I, I love to tell and encourage my clients to know that um, you don't go in to ask your supervisor where they think you should fit. Right. Not when you have, You've, you've been in the game, you know, and, and when I say in the game, you know, the workforce game, regardless mm-hmm. if you've pivoted, you've been in this workforce game, you know, for probably close to 10 years, seven, eight years or so, you know where you're, where you want your next step to be. And if you don't, then you, you probably do want to work with, you know, someone on that. But oftentimes than not, um, unfortunately, your direct supervisor is not always going to be the best person that's going to tell you hey, we think you need to be here or here, you know, at this higher level. Um, it is not impossible. There are, you know, some organizations that have very good workplace cultures. They support their employees. They have good professional development and they train their supervisors as well to groom and develop their employees so that they are a part of succession planning for that organization. But there are more companies that don't do that. And so especially for my um, my clients and my audience that are minorities where we already have the chips stacked against us in so many different ways, I always tell them, you need to go in knowing where you want to be. You need to let them know, hey, this is, I feel like, you know, I've kind of outgrown this space. This is where I see myself next. Let them, it's up to them to get you there in terms of like say okay well you know these are some opportunities that we see coming up or okay let's do x y and z to get you in there if they want to keep you they're going to try to work with you to help you achieve that goal now it is still your responsibility to have an exit plan you can't solely rely on again like you said having one egg in a bed or all your eggs in one basket you can't solely rely on your company to even if it is a good workplace culture to move you up because the opportunity just may not be there it may not be there and so you have to have multiple strategies. That's I'm a strategist. You got to have multiple strategies in order to advance in your career, especially when you feel like you're hitting a plateau. You want to be strategic about how you approach your employer so that they can help you move up. But then on the same token, you got to have other things going because you don't want to ever be left in a position where you have no leverage. Like that, that's not good 
negotiating is not good strategy. You always want to have leverage. I'm never going to put myself in a position consciously or purposefully where I'm solely relying on one thing, one avenue in order to gain success. My business has multiple revenue streams. It's not just working with individuals. It's not just working with companies. It's, it's multiple avenues of revenue that comes in because I don't have all my eggs in one basket. I know I need to level up, but I'm not going to rely on one strategy to level up. And I think that's really, really important for professionals to understand with their careers. It works very similarly to businesses. You as an individual, you need to almost function as if you are a business in and of itself because you have a brand, you bring something to the table, you generate revenue for these companies. And so you need to understand how to strategize so that your eggs are not always in one basket. Leverage that company that you're at so that when it's time to move up and or move out, you are prepared or when it's time to start your side hustle, you are um, grooming yourself by utilizing that nine to five to help fine tune those skills to help you work through those grows and glows of, of side hustling. Mm-hmm. And, and then before you know it, you may be ready to start your own business and jump out as an entrepreneur. But I definitely think that it is super, super duper important for us as minorities specifically to take ownership in what it is that is our next step to level up. Don't go in saying, you know, hey, I'm feeling stuck to your employer. Um, where, where do you guys see me? Don't put that ownership on them to tell you where you need to be. Don't no. do that. No. You're giving you up. Confirm that within yourself. Exactly. Before exactly. going to them. Somebody who it doesn't, it doesn't make them or break them either way, whether you stay with the company or leave. So no, I, I I agree completely. Get over the imposter syndrome, get over the fear, you know what I mean? Um, and, and go for it, go for what you want. You have to have balance, you know, Mm -hmm. your, your gift will make room for you, but you'll, you'll never grow. You'll never grow, and you'll take you'll you'll take that disappointment that you feel in the workplace, you know, into other areas and aspects of your life. And you don't want to do that. True. We want to yeah, have true. we want to have balance. We don't need anyone telling us, you know, what we're capable of. You should know what you're capable of, and it's actually a change. It it needs to start with a change of, of mind and the way you view yourself and the way you value yourself and believe um, your own self worth. So. My last and final question is going to be, you know, your expertise too, especially when it comes to the whiteness. Okay, so many people feel, like you said, not necessarily plateau, but they feel burned out, especially during this climate, this current climate that we're in in the world. People feel burned out at work, and they also feel either unsafe or undervalued. Again, keeping in mind the climate, the world that we're in right now, what is a solution for the employees or even the employers that notice that about their employees, that their employees are not being as productive, that they're not, um, they're not being as attentive um, and to, you know, the little, you know, intricate details of, of work. And they feel like, you know what, my employee is just not his or herself right now. I don't know how to fix it. I don't even know how to ask them what's going on. I don't want to lose my employee, but you know, how can I do that? And that, you know, kind of taps into ethical leadership development and, and leadership roles. But then as the employee, how do they, what do they do when they feel like, you know what, I'm burned out. 
I feel undervalued. I don't feel like, you know, um, my, my movement in this call, in this work culture is safe for me. And when I say safe, it just means that, you know, with the, um, you know, corporate racism and corporate bias that goes on in the, um, in, in our, in our world this day and age, you know, mm -hmm. we're burned out, you got the pandemic going on, just all of that. No one is tending to the mental and emotional health and wellness and how that shows up or lack thereof in the workplace, whether it's me as an employee, or for example, you as the employer. Give mm -hmm. me like a suggestion that I would do as an employee or you, you feel like you would give advice to for the employer. Um, I can do you want both employer and employee. You do the employer, I'll do the employee. Okay. Um, <laughs> so for the employer, um, that is an engagement issue, um, hands down. You have um, a lack of engagement with your teams, and you have to start tackling the cultural um, climate of your organization at that point. And so, in order to do that, it is going to come with. A, gathering some feedback, and you have to do so where your employees feel safe enough to give that feedback. And so one of the things that um, when we come in and work with companies on is, you know, you're going to have to gather anonymous feedback. And companies don't like anonymous feedback. They want to be able to tie the feedback to a face, to a person, yada, yada. No, no, no. You have to be in a space where you're ready to receive that hard feedback that's going to come with having it anonymous. And so they gather that feedback to then ascertain what it is that is causing the problem within their organization. Once they do that, they're likely to have to bring in an expert to come in and to start those conversations, to create the spaces to start those conversations. Because one thing you don't want to do, a lot of companies are trying to say, um, or not trying to say, excuse me, are running and saying, let's start an ERG, which is ERG stands for Employee Resource Group. And so while they are very valuable and are needed in the workspace for marginalized groups, you can't just go and start an ERG because the ERG is supposed to be, it's like for the people, by the people, right? Like, mm -hmm. so you can't go up and say, oh, we're going to start this ERG. Like, first, there needs to be a conversation to understand what the problem is, why they are feeling the way they feel, why are they disengaged? And once you gather that feedback, then you open up this conversation for your employees and your senior level leaders to come together and have conversations that are moderated and that are structured by an outside person. Because if you're having a problem with culture within your organization, you are not the person to facilitate and, and, and do that conversation and, and get that going because you could be part of the problem. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can't be the leader of you know, cultivating this conversation around equity or race or um, uh, lack of worth, feel, the lack of worth that your employees are feeling within the workplace. You're not the one to cultivate that or to lead that conversation because you could be part of the problem and they may not feel comfortable addressing that problem with you. Um, so you will need to bring in a third party unbiased person that can come in or entity that can come in and kind of facilitate those initial conversations. And then from there, then they will help you to create a strategic plan on what it is that you need to implement based on the feedback of the employees. 
So whatever the solution is, it needs to be derived from employee feedback. It's not going to be, oh, I'm the CEO. Okay, I see people are saying that, you know, they're working in teams where there is a lot of microaggressions happening and no one, and a lot of their teammates are not valuing their, their uh, contributions. You can't, as the leader, say, okay, this is the, the way we're going to solve this problem. No, nah, no. Nah. You need to ask the employees how do they this is a problem we recognize and we don't like this problem can you guys please provide us feedback again it should be an option for anonymous feedback to solve this problem you take that feedback and you see how do we strategically make this these solutions come to life for our organization because one thing that i can that i always say to companies is never have you seen someone or a company get sued for being equitable in the workplace. Never have you seen a company Not get never. supporting people of color in the workplace. So there's very minimal risk with taking feedback from your teams, from your staff, to then apply that as a solution. And one viable solution usually is having an ERG, but your employees, they have to want that because they have to be willing to lead that. And then on top of that, you have to be ready to allocate resources, financial resources to the solution. You cannot say you want to be a part of the solution, but you don't want to put your money where your mouth is. So that's yeah. enough. I'll let you tackle the, the employee the, piece. The employees. On about this. Yeah, I'll let you do that one. So what I one of the things that I would say to employees is, you know, number one, if you're feeling burned out, take a moment, ask for a break. One of the things that people don't use, and it is very common, is they don't take their vacation days, right? Yes. They'll let those vacation days stack up. They yes. will be like, I'll take a vacation later. I'll take a, I'll take a lump sum of vacation. You can't do that all the time because you are headed straight to a disastrous place of burnout, right? When you feel burned out or or just like, I'm, I'm overly tired, there's deadlines. And to be honest, more people feel burned out now during the pandemic working from home than they actually do in the workplace. So it's, it's just like, you know, you have to tell yourself, actually write it down and say, you know what? I'm taking these days just for me. I have to have balance because I'm not serving myself on burnout. I'm not serving my company on burnout because there is no productivity. I'm not operating as my best self, my highest self. You know, your brain is not even functioning. So you can't problem solve or, or troubleshoot the way that you could. Um, or you get, you're so irritated because you're tired, you're moody, you're groggy, you're frustrated, that you are um, quick tempered and you can have impulsive reactions. And then that just strips away at that whole, you know, four pillars of emotional intelligence that I like to talk about. You know, you just blurting things out and you're not being empathetic to others because you're so tired that you haven't taken the time to kind of gather and regroup yourself. So I highly recommend taking a moment and truly let go of work and rest, not lay down, take a, an attempt to take a nap with your projects on your brain. That's not the same thing. The other one in, in regards to, you know, the current climate and feeling undervalued and, and, and unsafe. First of all, I would say, take a moment, and people don't do this often enough, is to write it down. What is it that you don't like at work? Oh, yeah. what, what areas do you feel underserved and undervalued? And let's talk about those, uh, you know, those feelings of, um, of being unsafe. What does that feel like? Because here's the thing, you want to identify the problem 
And then what you want to do is attach the emotion to that problem so that you can really, when it's time to discuss that, you can tell your employer, <clears throat> hey, this area, I, I feel like so-and-so did this and I was really offended or there was a problem here and I didn't feel like, you know, I was heard. Um, I felt like I had the better solution and I was written off. Someone took, you know, um, credit for the work that I did and this is supposed to be a team project, whatever that is. And I feel like, because when you don't, this way you can communicate effectively to the person that um, is supposed to offer you a solution. And in order for them to empathize uh, how you're feeling and what you're feeling, you need to be able to properly express that and, and write down the situation when it happens or whenever you can and what you would like to see happen. In the future, it would make me feel like this if you did that or when you did that. You have to be able to put a name and a feeling and a solution towards it, like your recommendation, because um, you can get, there's no way for an employer to say, okay, you know what, I need to bring in an online therapist because I have a couple of my employees that feel like this, if they don't know how you feel, or if they don't know what the problem is and what's going on. If you're just walking around suppressing your attitude and anger and letting problems and problems pile up, right? Um, say something, give some, give some options. If you feel like there should be, um, you know, group counseling at the workplace, say that, say that. And then you put it in their, you, yeah, you put it in their court for them to put their money where their mouth is, right? And offer them the proper support for their employees. You know what I mean? Um, just even ask, you know, can we do a, a quick, like, you know, group meeting or staff meeting where we could talk about such and such? I think that would be a good idea. Um, just give those, give those things out. And here's the thing. If you're operating on burnout and you're having all these feelings, that is an explosion at work waiting to happen. And the, the last thing that you want is for your employer to say, why didn't you bring this up before? Or HR, why didn't you bring this up before? You have to, even though they don't always make the right choices, a, a lot of times HR and, and, and people at work, you have to put them in the position to say, no, I told you and you didn't do anything about it. Don't let them get ahead of you and say, well, she never expressed that. He or she never told us that. We never knew that they were unhappy. We never knew that they felt unsafe. We never, we never knew. And here's the thing. You have, you have to call people out, you know, on their shit. This is, not, this is an adult podcast, so we can say that word sometimes. But, you know, you have to call people out, you know, on, on, on their stuff and just say, hey, I don't like it. You doing this over here? I don't like it. It strips away at my mental, my mental wellness, my emotional wellness, and I cannot serve you. And and you know my gift that I mean it really goes into that that whole gift. I can't do that in this type of environment. This is a stressful environment. This is an unsafe uh, environment. This is a racist environment. This is a condescending environment. This is a bully. Whatever that may be, you need to say that so that they can effectively. Um, take the initiative to change it. And that's, that's your role. That's your part in this. You have to go to bat for yourself. You have to speak up for yourself. And that kind of ties into everything that we're saying. Your gift, that has something to do with your worth. 
you, you're speaking up for yourself when you hit a plateau that has something with you speaking up about yourself and you know knowing your work knowing who you are no one is going to bet on you the way you bet on you you have to make a commitment to yourself you have to make a commitment to your growth you have to make a commitment to your work and where you want to be you have to make a commitment to your balance and that whole being that's called you because guess what when you leave the world, you will be replaced. Even though you're irreplaceable, they will find another you to put you in that seat at work. So speak up for you. You understand what I'm saying? If you if you need to go out and get you an extra hobby, then do that, right? Because you are doing that for you. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. Even your gifts that you are um, that you're pouring out into the world, you are serving a, a purpose. But you are a vessel being used by God as a blessing coming through you to other people. So if the body, the temple that you have is burned out, stressed out, and you, you don't look at it as a source of worth and value, you are no good to no one, no one, nothing. And, and I would like my audience to kind of take that. Nothing that Deanna and I are saying to you is going to help or it's going to work. You are not gonna put that into a fluid movement if you don't look into it as mirror and say am i loving myself today yeah. am i and, and, and am i am i am i doing that in my career am i doing that you know in my my income am i doing that just speaking up for myself am i valuing myself and what i have to offer i'm an asset do i know i'm an asset yeah. then am i being treated like an asset Am I being treated like, you know, am I being compensated like the proper asset? If not, you speak up. Not all eggs in one basket, but you definitely need to speak up. Right? Thank you. And that, that we can, Deanna can talk about this and I all that, but we ain't gonna kill you. So <laughs> that kind of, you know, wraps up for the show today. You know, life matters, L-Y-F. Loving yourself first matters, and a part of loving yourself at work is making the commitment to you to bet on yourself and speak up for yourself at work. Miss Deanna, Miss Deanna, do you have any closing statements for all these people around the world? Uh, what can I say? Um, I think I'm gonna I, I leave it with where you left it. You know, always bet on yourself, like always, always. You got to be willing. To bet on yourself before you expect somebody else to bet on you so sometimes that means you're paying to get a training that you know you may need to level up in your career sometimes it means you you know pay for a therapist to help you work through some things you just never know but always be willing to bet on yourself no matter what it looks like always be willing to bet on yourself because you gotta bet on you before anybody else will you are your greatest investment life is a process it is a journey you are not by yourself we are with you around the globe united we stand all right everybody we will talk to you soon thank you for coming please diana how can they reach you i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it on here but how can okay. they if they want your services um you know what if you all are interested in services you can send me an email directly the email address is ceo at e3-proservices.com. So send me an email or you can go to e3-proservices.com 
That's our web address and all the information is on the website and you can get in contact with us there. Either way works fine. Reach out guys and, and follow her on, on social media. She's the bond.com. All right. We'll see you soon. Bye everyone. Bye.